0: There's a song by Steely Dan called Old Days. I just thought of that. Steely Dan. Old days. Hi. Welcome to episode two of Any Major Dudette Will Tell You. I'm
1: here with my best friend, Kat Brown. And I'm here with my best friend, Amy Goodman. And you guys, we did a second episode. People (laughs) were so nice about the first one. We took all of your kind comments and we ran with it. And most of those kind comments were, wow, the sound quality was really good. Or, who's Steely Dan? (laughs) So to all of our fans out there, Thank you so much. And we'll take it. <laughs>
0: we have a super exciting episode for you for episode two um, that I think is a really beautiful tribute to our friendships. Yeah.
1: It only took one episode to get here. But I guess we wanted to start this up, ep- or I want to start this episode by talking about an article I read in the New York Times by Betty Gilpin. And it was a long article that kind of had to do with building a house and being a woman. But she had this comment at the end about, How as women, we spend a lot of time laughing at men's bad jokes and a lot of time swallowing our own bad jokes. And I just feel really lucky that I get to do this podcast with my best friend. And Steely Dan is such a masculine part of the sandbox. I feel like anytime you read about Steely Dan or watch a YouTube video about Steely Dan, it is inevitably some nerd dance planning to you. You never really get a woman's take on Steely Dan. <laughs> dance planning. Oh my God. Yes. And so I met Kat doing comedy in college and it just feels really special that we got to do this passion project together and collaborate together again. And I just wanted to kick it off with that, that thank you for being interested in a woman's take on Steely Dan.
0: And I think what's so cool is we jokingly laugh a lot about, like, dad stuff, and Steely Dan is such an inherent, like, dad band, and, and we'll...
1: Oh, but yes, I, yeah. I actually learned tonight when we were preparing for the show that Kat's father did not like Steely Dan. No. My father did not like Steely Dan. No. Maybe this explains why we like Steely Dan. Yes, this Just is... Danny issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: we are fully blazing the matriarchal trail <laughs> to Walter Becker and Donald Fagan uh like just pussy hat our way up to the mic uh so we're here and yeah. we're super excited to talk about this and so in a little bit of that vein one of our one of the most interesting topics at least in my world of Steely Dan is like how they refer to women and mm-hmm. how that it is such a male centric band and, and a lot of their players are men and all, all of their players are men right yeah. well except for the whistler well we'll get into some (laughs) of the parts that women get to have which is mainly mainly background vocals and whistler right i mean those are the (laughs) roles women play in my life yes yeah it's that whole uh virgin whore (laughs) background vocals whistler dynamic that i think we're all very familiar with um so we had to talk i think a little bit about the lyrical content in which they talk about women so we have Three amazing songs that we are going to break down for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, do we just dive right in? Is Let's time? get into it. Yeah.
1: The Women of the Dan.
0: The song "Hey 19 which is a, one of my personal favorite songs. I probably say that about a lot of them, but this one... A hundred percent. When you just hear that very beginning, you just start grooving. You start yeah. playing
1: the air bass. You start dancing with your shoulders. Yes, yeah. playing the air keyboard. Yes,
0: God, <laughs> it's so cool. Um, and so, shout out to another lady comedian. Again, doing some research tonight. Rashida Jones said this was one of the first songs in her household that, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote it directly so that she can like really get the credit. It was the first '70s bluesy rock that was really lyrical. Oh, my God.
1: Of course, leave it to beautiful Rashida Jones to, like, sum up Steely Dan the most. I also have a quote about this song. Yes. This one from Donald Fagan. An interviewer told Donald that he seemed to really enjoy performing this song on stage, and this was his response. Quote, I know the audience likes it, and also it's maybe a little simpler than our other stuff. It's easy to sing. I don't have to think about it that much. Oh, my God. (laughs) what a man. I'm just kidding.
0: What a <laughs> joyful sweetheart. <Yeah. laughs> just someone who really loves their work and wants to put a, everything behind it, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> incredible. Um, so the story of this song is, of course, younger woman dates older man, and surprise, surprise, there's nothing of substance to talk about, right? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> wow. We're really breaking into some groundbreaking territory in the 70s here. Yeah. Um, but they share a beautiful night with some Cuervo gold. And some fine Colombian, which is really, I think, the the deciding factor of all people. When you have nothing else to say, do some drugs, drink some tequila.
1: <laughs> yeah, so fun story about that is if you go on Genius and look up the lyrics to this song, there's a whole fight between the younger generation of Steely Dan fans, shout out to all 10 of us, and the baby boomers arguing about whether the fine Colombian refers to weed or cocaine. Thank you so much, because that is an actual real fight that I had with my mother. <laughs> I was convinced that it was cocaine. She was convinced that it was pot. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand because apparently when the song was written, like cocaine wasn't king yet. Yeah,
0: and it wouldn't be that. Yeah, the fine Colombian would be much more likely referring to pot. Yeah, but honestly, kind of speaks to the transcendentalism of Steely Dan that we can all put our own ways of coping
1: yeah. <laughs> into the song. And words. that you know, this song is about intergenerational conflict, and so we are playing it out now. That is so fantastic. <laughs> Question for the book club, did he fuck this 19-year-old in spite of the fact that they had nothing in common? Hell yes. Yes. Yeah, survey said a little yes. lower now
0: it means <laughs> get up on this dick with them roller skates on. Like, the, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that yeah. there was something very- and No, I, I thought they went on a date at the roller rink. <laughs> But I think in the 70s, that's, like, swiping right. Like, if you were going to show up (laughs) at the roller skating rink, if I, if the stories of what my parents have told me of the regalia of the roller skating rink, like, you truly, it was the club. Like, you got dressed up, you had a partner, you had moves, like, that, I don't know if I've ever seen as much love in my parents' eyes as I did when they talked about their days on the roller skating rink. Really? Yeah, so I think that's why that lyric, to me, has some of the most meaning of this entire song. Yeah, you have a favorite line from this song, right? It is that line. Oh my gosh, okay, 100, yes. And it is
1: that line because I don't know why he puts on that little, skate a little lower now. (laughs) But like, Dire Straits owes their entire career Mm -hmm. to that song, and therefore The War on Drugs owes their entire career to that line. 100%. But it is absolutely my favorite, I don't hear anything else like that in Steely Dan, it's just like, putting on a voice now yes
0: which if you are a fan of documentary now and you have seen the blue jean committee i'm pretty sure they have also banked their entire impression of yacht rock music on that one line and its delivery oh yeah it's so good now it makes it even the more heartbreaking we're really getting into hey 19 i think i've I've got lots to say about Hey Nineteen. the the passion is real and when i went and saw the steely damned (laughs) The Steely Dan cover band in San Diego. The I loved every minute of that three-hour and 45-minute experience <laughs> by myself, hanging out with all the ladies. Um, but Texting they, it in real time to me. I, yes, yes. Um, and I, they did not sing that lyric. So oh, I was waiting for cover. it. It was the setup, the setup, setup. And then I was like, ready. I was like, and oh, And they like didn't do it. And I was so very sad. But that night was saved because there was a woman next to me in her 60s who was clearly drunk on like two coolers lights, who grabbed my arm at one point towards the end of the concert and just like whispered, screamed, In my next life, I want to be reincarnated as a saxophone. <laughs> and I- I've never felt as close to anyone other than Amy Goodman in that moment. I'll kill this bitch. (laughs) You're welcome if you're finding our podcast. I didn't get your name, but you're more than welcome to be our guest on the next
1: episode. And I'm not really going to kill you. We need (laughs) guests on our podcast. I'd be so honored to meet you. Uh, At Rashida Jones, if you'd also like to come talk about Steely Dan, you are more than welcome to (laughs) well. So. I guess my personal connection to this song is I live in Berkeley and I work at a large university in Berkeley, California, though I'm not going to say which one. And we had an event for newly admitted students and an email went around my office asking for songs to put on the playlist that they're going to play at this reception. And the only rules for the playlist were like, you know, make sure it's clean, make sure it's upbeat and make sure there's no swearing and the only song i recommended was rock steady by aretha franklin mm. because it to me is the best feeling song of all time even if it came out in 1972 and it was only as i was doing my homework for this podcast of like wow i just made a playlist for a bunch of 19 year olds and put aretha franklin on there because my life is turning into fiction wow dan, dan? meets dan evolved it's i fully evolved and it also made me think about like on the surface this song is very straightforward about a creep trying to dance with a 19 year old but it also kind of connects to a larger theme in steely dan's music which is how you deal with not being made for these times Mm. like i think about brian wilson is kind of the king of this and you know I guess I just wasn't made for these times and he's forlorn about it but in Steely Dan they're kind of just flicking their cigarette about it and there's three songs I can think of that really chart this in the beginning is Midnight Cruiser and oh my god I could do a whole podcast about Can't Buy a Thrill and how much I love it for almost being Steely Dan album yeah like very generically being a 70s whatever at the time Yeah. yeah but like the first time I heard Midnight Cruiser I'm like holy shit i love this song was this on an episode of freaks and geeks why do i feel so (laughs) moved by this and the line like the time of our time has come and gone i'm a cheese ball i really love that line so And it's so funny because I feel like men get this – back to this
0: whole feminist aspect, right? Yeah. Men get a very, like, fun, almost um, – you know, you're, you're getting, like, a James Dean of, like, oh, I'm just, like, so not – I'm holding Caulfield. <laughs> and, like, women get, like, what? Like, a we do a Buffon hairstyle and people are, like – yeah, who is this girl? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, who does she think she's fooling? Yeah, like, like it's so romanticized if a man is like timeless and of those things, and like for a, a woman we just don't have that. Which ironically we trade. And this is a different podcast, shouting out to a different time, but like tracing the styles of young female celebrities on the red carpet. Right. Yes, Tom and Lorenzo, thank you so much for that podcast. That was a fascinating listen. Right, and so we just we don't get to even pine for that in the same way that men do of being like not of their time. Right. Yeah. Because a woman out of time
1: is useless or rebellious. Oh, 100%. Girl, the rosé has hit and I feel amazing. (laughs) So yeah, it kind of, it starts in Midnight Cruiser. And then I feel like this song is sort of the midpoint where they still kind of have this sense of humor about it but to me the end point is in time out of mind where it's just like well just gonna get fucked up and chase the dragon and it kind of charts the innocence of like well i'm gonna go midnight cruising to get a hold of this feeling versus i'm gonna use young women to get a hold of this feeling steely dan for the me too era and it ends in well i guess i'm just gonna do heroin to deal with this feeling wow
0: which again I think a lot of dads really love. And like yeah. they they they've seen even if they've never done any of those things, those are the
1: bookmarks they always thought they maybe would. Right? Yeah. And there is this living vicariously through Steely Dan. I've never been a father, I'm not sure. I'm just projecting what I would feel like if I were a man. Right. And the only place for a woman is being that young, hot thing when they come dancing at the roller rink. Or, let's take it to the very end, Yeah, being a woman in white pants at a Steely Dan cover band show, wanting to be reincarnated as a saxophone. (laughs) I have so many questions for you. Come on our podcast. Why a saxophone? I just, I have so many things (laughs) I need to say. So, I mean, I'll leave you with this last thought. Can you imagine dancing with Walter Becker? Absolutely
0: not, because I have seen him live, and I, it's going to come up on every podcast episode that I saw them live. That man did not move his body at all. Was he like, just totally stiff? It was just it was he did like a little side to side, like Ariana Grande. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was working it, and he rode me like a tricycle. I don't know, a dick a
1: bicycle. bicycle. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I could not imagine. Now Donald Fagan, I can see him on the roller skating rink. Walter Becker is eating a hot dog
1: playing Pac-Man. <laughs> the yes. <laughs> God, they're so easy to sum up and make fun of. We love you so much.
0: Asian divorce. Ooh. Um so much, like, meaning to it. One of my favorite quotes as I was researching this one was, like, someone had said something along the lines of, like, you know, anything ambiguous in a Steely Dan song is just, like, a nothing thing. Like, Steely Dan is gonna put out there exactly what you mean, mm-hmm. and yet leave it to these two Dan bitches <laughs> to, to have a little ambiguity at the end of this song, and we had a, I think our first fight about where this song truly ends. So what do you think? What is your breakdown
1: of Haitian divorce and the the lyric? we get from it okay um this isn't a great answer but it's an honest answer is i got really into this song at the same time i was getting into rupaul's drag race and so i kind of can't hear anything but congratulations. this is your haitian divorce and it's like clean willie shantay you stay (laughs) charlie sashay away
0: (gasps) oh that's so true because if she couldn't love herself how in the is she, hell is she, she going to love someone love else? She'll love her. Oh, yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> we were almost there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the interesting note to me is there is a lyrical play off of No Tears, No Hesitation in the chorus. And then when she comes back to the States, it's tearful reunion in the USA. So you've got an unreliable narrator situation going on, which is one of my favorite things in literature. But I guess the showpiece of this song is the breakdown. Oh, it is sexy. It Ooh. is f- cinematic.
0: It's beautiful. It it's a jam, right? You're getting yeah. all of the things. Let's break it down yeah. moment by moment. The story thus far, if you haven't yet read the lyrics, is this woman and this man fall in love and right away things turn sour and they start fighting all the time. So she runs away to Haiti, Haiti and drinks a bunch of rum at a bar and fucks
1: a dude there. Well, not quite. Okay, that so she there's there's an interlude where- Where they're dancing. Yes. And then suddenly we get into the breakdown.
0: Now, to, I said it so much more vulgar yeah. than Steely Dan would, so- break it down
1: my beautiful poetress (laughs) what happens okay so here's an interesting point about steely dan is they are always seedy but they are very rarely vulgar which i don't know it's an interesting restraint for two dudes in the 70s but you gotta draw a line somewhere i guess and i definitely remember having like seven-year-old eyes and like looking up at my (laughs) mom and being like what's a pearl of the
0: quarter like and it's like clearly obviously like a sex worker and my mom is like a
1: Lady of the Night. I'm like, I want to be a pearl of the corner. Like, you wouldn't know it unless you really yeah. knew it. This yeah. literally runs from the time when I found on my parents' bookshelf everything you ever wanted to know about sex but were too afraid to ask. And I pulled this book down, and I'm like, what's this book about? And my mom just hesitated, and I'm like, is it a book for grown ups?" And she's like, yes. And I put it back on the shelf for all of 20 minutes and then took it upstairs. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. we're at this club in Haiti, yes. and... There, right before the breakdown, it goes, now we dolly back, now we fade to black, which is so clearly, they gon' fuck. But it, so the, the guitar, to me, tells the story of they're dancing, they're grinding. I can see this all in my head. There's this little trill. To me, it's just, you know, when guys do that thing where they put the two fingers up and it's like, blah, 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 blah. It's <laughs> Oh, gross. Like, the way some people feel about the word moist is the way I feel about blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Sometimes the cake is moist. (laughs) Sometimes that is the, that's what you got to say about oral sex. (laughs) You still with me? I'm so with you, 100%. Okay. And then you can kind of hear at, like... 312, I swear I can hear her roll off of him and it's over and it's the denouement and she's come back to the United States. See, I always saw that as like the sun
0: started to like rise up in the Ooh. hotel room or like in his like cabana or wherever he's living, and like it's it's very I, like wherever they're at, it just like feels like her eyes are awakening and she starts to like realize the impact of what's happened. So, yeah. but it, you you can't listen to that song without the context and not feel all those things. Like yeah. I see Bo Derek braids on this woman. Like yes, I'm seeing a woman. I do too. Yes, she's honestly probably flourishing and feeling. More beautiful than she's ever felt. And realistically, she, she's probably like 24 at the oldest. Yeah. And and like it it's funny because they don't show the relationship that she leaves to go do that without passion. Like, so it's yeah. like clearly she's a passionate woman, she but she bites, whatever. They yeah. Bite, but- yeah. So there's like a lot going on. It's not like just like a, a marriage bed turned cold. It's yeah. like it's not lesbian bed death. <laughs> right. Which is our next podcast episode. <laughs> um but yeah, that it's it's very like. It's very passionate, and she's, and she's, so I I think she's honestly, this woman, Jeanette, Je- Jeanette, there's her- Babs. Babs? Yeah. Oh, I messed that up completely. <laughs> I think she's one of the most fully fleshed out female characters in a Steely Dan song. Which is not saying much, but God, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, like, if your female heroine is the only, is like the only thing you can aspire to, I'm like, she's my goddamn Wonder Woman then. So, yeah. yeah
1: it Yes. And, okay, so- we're in the song, she gets back to the United States, she reunites with Clean Willie, and there is the <laughs> trademark Steely Dan cultural insensit- insensitism, insensitivity, wow, this Rosé is sneaking up. Yeah. <laughs> when we find out that she's been pregnant, some babies grow in a peculiar way, semi-mojo. Thanks, Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you make it hard to sing along sometimes, yeah, Steely Dan. Yeah, give me pause. Um question for the book club does clean willie stick around and raise this baby or they do <coughs> say papa at
0: one point and so papa i would say papa say no tears and no hearts break-in. So I thought that her father stepped in and almost helped her raise this baby because Clean Willie was now gone. And so he sort of has this sort of, you know, they're there attitude towards mm. her. So, sort of like,
1: the whole story is being, oh my God. So, if the whole story is being told from her father's perspective, it would make sense that he dollies back and fades to black and we're not going to get into what happened there. Right. Wow. That's I a- love that interpretation. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: I, I really thought, I just, I feel like there's no way way that she's like that even in that last line right like congratulations this is your Haitian divorce it almost feels like that terrible thing that like a parent would say to you before they like turn out the lights and you're just like (sighs) left in the living room by yourself with your own fucking emotions right yeah and so I just feel a little bit like there's a little bit more spite in a fatherly way than it is in like a partner who sticks around long past their due.
1: Oh, I love that. Oh, good. Because okay. I, I always took it, and there's no evidence of this in the song, but I just assumed that Clean Willie stuck around, you know, did the quote right thing, helped raise the baby, but I don't think he ever forgave her. And I think he, in a full circle sort of way, he's definitely a dad whose garage you are not allowed in. Like, he is just in there, banging on a birdhouse, working out his feelings, and listening to Steely Dan. Ah! And then it fully becomes full circle. Totally. From that point
0: on. Yeah. But, like... Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, I I just... I think about how it's so cool that we can both have these different interpretations. Cause I, I think about that line, like tearful reunion in the USA, like she's stepping off the plane, like with this like baby in her belly, like that's like starting to like grow and like you imagining clean Willie there and me imagining her father there. Like, I just can very much see that and think the, the lyricism of Steely Dan that can give. Such yeah. The a fetal... richness that made this
1: possible. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I guess sort of to bridge all of this, And this is where I'm going to be Professor Amy for a second. Yes. (laughs) As we were talking about this song, it reminded me of this short story that I read in college called Zagrowski Tells. I think it's by Grace Paley. And it's set, I think, in the 1970s. And it's the story of this retired Jewish pharmacist who has a half-black grandson. And as I remember it, he's sitting in the park and one of his old clients comes up to him and says, basically... Oh, is that your grandson? And he proceeds to just rage against her about how, ah, everyone's so nosy and everyone always wants to know my story and it's no one's business. But, ah, all right, if you're here, I'll tell you my story, which is just the most male perspective. Like, <laughs> it's a, hey, how are you? Ah, why does everyone always want to know about my grandson? <laughs> but he sits there and he... The short story is him talking to this woman and explaining the story of his daughter, who apparently had some kind of mental illness, and he sends her away to an institution. And while she's there, she gets knocked up by a black groundskeeper. And this dude, the guy who's talking, is a racist, he's a bigot, he's a classic Jew from New York from a certain era that maybe even still exists in this era. But he kind of has to come to terms with all of his bigotry when his daughter is unable to raise her you know, quote, illegitimate grandson, and he takes him on, he names him Emmanuel, he's raising him in the Jewish faith, but he's half black, and it's kind of him having to come to terms with his past and his bigotry, but this undeniable love that he feels for this young boy who has, you know, done nothing to deserve his baggage, but here he is, an old man of a different time, living in this time, trying to make it all work. And I just, I thought it was really cool that like, obviously, these stories are not in literal conversation with each other, but that you have a piece of Steely Dan music that is borrowing the language of film to describe the act of fucking, that is figuratively in conversation with a short story, all kind of exploring the same themes. It, I really dug it and it took me a lot of listens and a lot of ruminations to put that all together, but try and do it all. Haitian divorce, Zagrowski tells, see if it speaks to you the same way. <laughs>
0: I feel like we're about to have to dolly back and fade to black. You are glowing, <laughs> yes.
1: talking about all these things
0: intersecting at once. That's amazing. That's thank you. This is the this is the true heart of the of the <laughs> podcast that you come for. Is the brains of Amy Goodman. It's like
1: what I remember from my literature degree eight years ago.
0: <laughs> we got Cousin Dupree, which. Upon my many first uh, listenings, I thought was a fu- because this is this is Steely Dan for the
1: new millennium. Yes. So uh, this won the Grammy.
0: Yeah, this is 1990, goddamn eight. All right, <laughs> we've got Titanic under our belts. Yes, we, we are in the Clinton era. We are like we are we are hot approaching a lot of different things uh, uh, politically as America. So I sort of thought in the year. 2016, maybe, when I first heard this song, I was like, they are so subversive. They are singing about this, like, sort of older, maybe like, um,
1: uh, Jennifer Coolidge character who, like, comes in. Wow, I wonder what informed that. (laughs) What piece of media possibly came out around 1998 to the early 2000s where Jennifer Coolidge might play a role like that? Was it All the King's Men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually a song on Can't Buy a Thrill. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh,
0: I was grossly misinformed, though, that it is not about a woman singing about her younger male cousin, sort of a la a pool boy status. <laughs> it is, in fact, exactly as disgusting as you think it is, yep. which is an older man singing about his own young cousin and how he wants to fade to black
1: with her. With her,
0: and you listen to those lyrics now, and especially what you brought up in this Me Too era that can we even like this song anymore? Like, it feels a Could little... Could you
1: even like this song before the Me Too era? It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird song.
0: I honestly... I So you may also, if you are long-time listeners <laughs> of the podcast, uh, you will know that I got Amy into Steely Dan by making her a playlist of some of the best Steely Dan songs and sort of, like, encapsulates their career. Yes. And Steely Dan 102 is what we called it. Yeah, and on this playlist, this song made it, I just said, please don't listen to the first minute of it, because yeah. it's a little bit intolerable. I don't love it.
1: I, you know what? The first minute actually doesn't offend me. Really? Yeah. What is it that offends you? That is almost a line. That is the line from the song. Great job. Thank you. I love That's you so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> it ends yeah. that his come
0: on tour is like, what doesn't turn you on? Well, okay. Right? That's like, well, yeah, okay, we're go- jumping ahead. we're jumping ahead.
1: Yeah, so he's he's talking to her and he's like, listen, babe, I'm a hot young thing. How much longer can you restrain yourself? And she basically says, you look at me like a pervert, your mind is mush, and you're just kind of a dark and depressing creep. And he says, well, what exactly turns you off? All, I'm so confused by all of that. Oh, that I love that. Like- that to me is like quintessential Steely Dan. And what I love about it <laughs> is like, I... Cannot think of a song in which Donald Fagan sounds happier with himself than he does in this song. He just sounds so pleased when he's like, what exactly turns you off? Isn't that every dude in every fucking bar ever, though? Like, I feel like... Yeah, yeah. I, it's nothing special. No.
0: It's just not often committed to music and given a Grammy. That is true. Okay, that that listen, there, there was a lot of great Grammy winners in the world yeah. for a lot of great music. I don't feel like this is the song that should have won the Grammy for Steely Dan. No. Nor do I feel like that's the pickup line that should have worked on me as many times as it did in oh, my college no. days. That's, God, oh my, college was so formative to both of us. Yeah. <laughs> I, cause, because my brand is like i'll look you up i'll talk you down and then yet
1: here they come every time with like but do you hate it and then i god i'm sorry you know what this is steely dan's version of negging in a way it is right yeah because i think i think when challenged well god they're cousins though i mean that's the other they're cousins this is totally inappropriate she's yeah (laughs) all right i'm gonna this is This is my moonshot here. We're going back into literature. I've talked in the past about how Steely Dan and the Grapes of Wrath are kind of connected for me, and... If this song to me is the end of the Grapes of Wrath, and if you if you need a refresher about what happens at the end of that book, Rose of Sharon is the 18-year-old daughter of the Joad family. She is pregnant all along this, con- this journey across the United States. She really kind of physically blossoms as she's getting pregnant. Like, the narrator notes how beautiful she's becoming. And in the end, she loses the baby. It's stillborn. They're in California, and she goes into a barn, and she finds this young man and this old man, and this old man is dying of starvation. And the book ends on her breastfeeding this old man to save him from dying. And I feel like in the Steely Dan version of this, the old man turns to the camera, winks, and you close on a vignette. That's all, folks. Oh, my God. That is so wrong. That's so wrong. It's, and, like, just wow. to, just to <laughs> give it one more, like, bow, the daughter's name is Rose of Sharon. And at the beginning of the song, they say, how you've grown like a rose. Like, I can't get it out of my head. It's all I see is the old man winking at the camera as he's breastfeeding.
0: Wow. That is incredible. (laughs) That is also very poetic to something that we've talked about a lot we we've actually spent a, like a good chunk of this week together being yeah. like real in real life best friends when we're actually long distance best friends yeah and we've talked a lot about the venus to milo yes and so i almost sort of feel in this way like it's just sort of like the like i'm armless just come take my bosoms yes. right like it's just i that, can't stop
1: you yeah
0: and it's just it's a, it's a leech thing and so yes. i guess it feels it feels a little bit lecherous uh in the way that oh steely dan a little bit lecherous right just a smidge just (laughs) kind of in the way that they're not super pro women
1: all the time yeah like i don't want to introduce my mom to steely dan nor does my mom want to listen to steely dan (laughs) yeah would if i ever have a daughter will she listen to steely dan yes Uh, but i will have i will have these
0: podcasts alongside to teach her the underside of these things which is like you don't let your cousin watch you for three weeks and then come at you with a line like but are you not wet? Like, and that's just like not is the thing that we do. Well, so. do you think
1: she goes for it?
0: Like 1970s Steely Dan, she goes for it. Yeah. 1998 Steely Dan. We've got share believe. We've got we've got a lot.
1: We we Are we nafta ing yet? I'm not sure politically really what's happening in the late 90s. How does NAFTA feed into Steely Dan? Tune in next time. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> we're not done yet. <laughs> uh,
0: so I don't know. I, I do think the, the the annotation that I wrote to you when I first gave you this song mm. was it's sort of like a Jimmy Buffett song on acid. Yeah. Like you sort of enjoy it for what it is and like if you listen too hard to a a jimmy buffett song the worst thing you're gonna get is like a tequila hangover (laughs) but like the worst thing with this is you're gonna get like
1: self-realization yeah your mother's love (laughs) if you listen too hard to this you're gonna understand the plot of the song (laughs) yes (laughs) so and if i may ask i mean
0: i'm gonna go off the script and i'm gonna ask like what place do you think this has in this sort of me too movement that we're living in and what can we enjoy from this what can we take from this what can we learn
1: No means no. Incest is... Oh, we're going to go real dark. Incest is probably much more prevalent and real than we talk about. Incest is not a joke. Incest is not a joke, I guess, is what we would take for this song. Because like all Steely Dan songs, if they're not wallowing in their own depression, they're making a joke out of everything. And I mean... I love it, but it makes me feel icky. <laughs> we definitely also just,
0: we briefly chatted about this song before we came in that they were sitting on almost 15 years of not really <laughs> creating new music. And then we just like sort of threw out that it was like, which
1: one of them was kind of like, listen, I got a song about incest and I yeah. think you're
0: really going to like. I've been perfecting
1: so- <laughs> it for 15 years or my name isn't Donald Fagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this is definitely a Donald song, right? Yeah, yeah Those yeah. lyrics are... 100% self-loathing, irony, fuck you to the world. And I love myself for being so subversive. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I don't know exactly the story. I think you have a deeper read on it, but there's some me-too-ness going on with Donald Fagan. There was an wife or ex-wife that he was recently accused of abusing. Yes. And it's really hard. And I, I, I think that
0: we can't, acknowledge that we are going to spend so much time sort of reveal like reveling in this band revealing a lot of the things that we love about them um without the sort of underside and i think it's really important that if we're going to do an episode about women is that like there was some real
1: issues regarding like physical abuse with his wife um oh yeah and that it's even in their music you've got it in haitian divorce you've got it in oh what's the song that talks about the eagles uh, um, it's on world Yeah. yes, yes. And, and turn it up the neighbors are listening i can't yeah, yeah yes that but yeah that. yeah that yeah it was kind of played for laughs and it was played cheaply and it was the 70s but yeah you listen to it now with modern ears and you're like oh this this is no good yeah and and so i i i want to give
0: like credence to that and i want to like also say with a lot of things that they do it seems like they're just gonna give like a giant fuck you to society yeah and the one real problem i have is like the giant fuck
1: you that they kind of give to women most of the time in all the lyrics, right? Like, I'll be honest, we come up with themes after we pick the songs, but when we decided like, oh, women in Steely Dan, I was kind of hard-pressed to find another song that we could have included other than like Katie lied or Josie yeah,
0: or Pearl of the Quarter,
1: right? (laughs) Like you're getting these songs that are not
0: necessarily lifting up women, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily too straight white men in the 70s jobs to do a lot of that but I just want to acknowledge that we are two strong feminist women and we see it and we acknowledge it and we understand that it's problematic also skate a little lower now like I want us to understand both sides of the things that it's like it is really difficult especially with people that have been famous for so long like what do we do with that and like This is honestly a conversation that we come to every third conversation we have. That's like, (laughs) how do you rectify both of those feelings and and take that into consideration? So we know it. We feel it. I think it comes alive a lot in Cousin Dupree. Yeah. Honestly, you could...
1: And also the fact that it's the most recent Steely Dan song. This This isn't a deep cut. No. From the back catalog. This so, is the last thing they chose to put out. <laughs> if you are trusting on us to be your
0: guides into the cave of Seely Dan, you can kind of just skip Cousin Dupree. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, don't give it a listen on Spotify. <laughs> it's a fine song, but it's not really worth it considering a little bit of the undertones in this political climate that we're having. Yeah. So Trickta, you thought it was all about Seely Dan and we got political on your ass. Woo woo! <laughs> so Amy, I think we've we've reached the culmination of our three songs. Is yeah. there anything else that you'd like to
1: add? At the end of our episode two. Not really, just thank you for anyone who went on this weird little journey with us. We have no idea when we'll release the next episode, but we love recording these. We love talking about Steely Dan. We love hearing your feedback. Yeah, so um, again,
0: if you enjoy the sound sound quality or (laughs) our uh, natural personalities with each other, uh, please tell us. We will be back very soon with more Dan in your face. In the meantime, though, I'm sitting here in Tommy Bahama pajamas next to my best friend, Amy Goodman. And I'm sitting
1: here in sweatpants next to my best friend, Kat Brown. This is... Any major do that will tell you. Okay, did you turn it off? Yeah. Dude. Dude. Fucking Brett Kavanaugh.
0: I know, I can't.